everybody, welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed and terrific co-host, and also Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. Appreciate you, brother. What up, what up, Laker Nation? Season's here, let's get it. Got another good one for all you fans of the now 17-time NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. What does Kuz's extension mean for the Lakers? Was THT the preseason MVP? How special is ring night? And what could we expect from the Lakers in week one of the NBA season? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on our website, theshowtimeform.com. That's the, T-H-E, showtimeform.com. We also got a very special guest coming on today, Harrison Fagan, Lakers beat writer for SB Nation. He's going to be joining us soon. So we got a good show today, huh, Chaz? Way to lead into way to lead into the Christmas weekend, man. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. You got ring night coming up. You got the start of the NBA season starting on December twenty second. Less than twenty four hours from now, the Lakers and the Clippers will be facing off on opening night. Another banner will be hanging from Staples Center, and hopefully the Clippers have the fortitude and the class to not be covering it up uh, even during their home games, but. You know, a big story came in on Sunday while everybody was watching the Rams in a disappointing loss to the New York Jets. A report came out. I know, right? A report came out that the Lakers had come to to terms on an agreement for an extension for Chaz's guy, Kyle Kuzma. Three years, $40 million. He basically took the KCP deal. So, I mean, what what do you think, Chaz? Your boy Kuz, is he here to stay? I I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all. I had a whole theory I played it out. I spoke with you guys. You know, we're family, so I'm going to speak my mind about what I think and what should happen or, you know, or what should happen, I should say. And you go back to a couple pods ago and I gave you the whole breakdown on the theory on why I would sign Kuz to an extension right now. And for all the reasons that I outlined as far as who's kind of, you know, not performing well in the playoffs and having some inconsistencies and, you know, the flexibility in the market not really being there. I mean, once the AD and LeBron contracts got signed, it was all but a a formality that Kuzma would get a contract at that point to me personally because at that point you you don't have the money to go out and throw money or trade or pay somebody top dollar like a Bradley Beal or a, you know, Russell Westbrook, or you can't get in the James Harden sweepstakes or anything like that. So what do you do? You double down on what you got that already got you a championship and you're able to get somebody that's going to outplay this contract. Realistically, he's 24 years old, 20, yeah, 24 years old. Now, by the time he enters free agency and this contract is done, he'll still be, pretty much starting his prime at 28 years old, able to get another contract where the cap is probably going to go up and he has flexibility. And at that point, he's a two or three time championship, maybe, you know, and depending on how he plays and what his production is and the flexibility that the league has, especially if LeBron James isn't on the team at that time, because he aligned his contract directly with what LeBron James and Anthony Davis have. So that option year that AD has actually... No, AD's option year is 24-25. Right. Kuz's option year is 23-24. So it's mm-hmm. actually, his option so, year is a year before AD, but it lines up directly with LeBron. Uh, well, they're guaranteed years, I should say. So, so basically, he's on the books, including this upcoming season, of course, uh, on the books for three more years. Yeah, I liked it. I think the question was going to be, does he have the clout to command 65 to $75 million? And it turns out he came in really at a bargain for a guy that young with that type of skill set. Yeah, he's been inconsistent. I think that's really what's driven people nuts about Kyle Kuzma in his young career is the, uh, is the lack of consistency. There are times where he looks great. 
There are times he he could drop 30 points on you on any given night. There are times where he has been fantastic defensively, taking on multiple challenges, mostly at the guard uh, at the uh, point guard and shooting guard position. So there's no question that Kyle Kuzma brings certain elements to the table, and I'm sure he's been disappointed at times that he's been asked to take more of a back seat. But then again. This is what it is. I mean, I love the fact that you're 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 not short on confidence, but when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, it's good, and you're basically a late first round pick. You're a guy who's had some good moments throughout your career, but now that involves you taking a back seat. And you could ask any of these other players throughout their career. Uh, ask a guy like Rondo. Those first years could not have been easy playing alongside a big three with Ray. Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. But hey, Rondo every year continued to improve and excelled in his role. That's the thing. Excel in your role. Be a star in your role. And at times, we've seen that from Kyle Kuzma. But at other times, we haven't. And I'll be honest, I was content with the games that he was scoring six, seven, eight points, but pulling down 11 rebounds, getting big offensive rebounds, playing good defense, providing energy. You know, yeah, we would all like to see him knock down some open threes once in a while, but at the same point in time, he is not a bonafide knockdown three-point shooter. If you can get 36, 37, 38% out of him, that's pretty good. I mean, that's about league average right there. You could live with that. And hopefully as the season goes in, and we start getting, you know, on that runway, he's going to continue to deliver. So there's another aspect to this that I like too, Chaz, on, on the business scale. That contract now has value. So if a situation comes up where a fringe all-star player, maybe not a superstar, but a fringe all-star player becomes available and you could try to make something work, now Kuz's contract has value because you don't need to get three or four contracts together. It could just be him, something along with it, and then you could put together a package together. Remember last year we said if the Lakers trade Kuzma, they're limited in their options, right? Because he just doesn't make that much money. Now he does. Now he makes around $13 million a year, $13.5 million a year moving, moving forward. So that's the other aspect of this that I like is the fact that that contract in a potential trade package, I'm not saying they have to trade Kuz or anything, but if something comes up, now you have something, you have a young asset that makes money that you could center a trade around. So, great point that you made about matching dollar for dollar uh, during in-season trades. Um, it's never been done as far as a rookie sale extension and what they call a poison pill aspect of the contract. So what that means is a non-rookie max extension, um, it takes for incoming salary on the acquiring team, the average of the last year of his contract and the extension used is $10.9 million. So essentially it makes the trade very, very difficult to complete during this season. It's never been done before and it's likely not going to be done. So Kuzma can now have the peace of mind to go out and just play, which is what he's been doing anyway, which is what Anthony Davis said. But um, he was rewarded for the professionalism that he has continued to have throughout his short career yeah. thus far. I mean, think about it. He's drafted, what, 27th? Yeah, pick that 27th, out of, the, 27th pick out of Utah. Yeah, yeah, from, from the guy from the D'Lo deal and sending Moscow back. And he outperforms Lonzo Ball, who was drafted number two, right? Then the second year... He's the second leading scorer on the team behind LeBron James. Then the third year, he has to slide to the bench in order to accommodate Anthony Davis. And now this fourth year, he, his pecking order, he's fallen down the pecking order even more by the additions of Montrezl Harrell and Marcus Hall. And Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. And somehow, someway, he's having a great preseason because he came in mentally there and ready to play and in shape. Yeah. Something that James Harden just didn't do and <laughs> several other players. Yeah. but. Obviously, he already has his money. James Harden does. But Kuzma, in this case, is has stayed professional and stayed consistent. And Vogel, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Palenka actually had very high words, high praise for Kuzma when, when the press release came out talking about how he's the hardest worker and he exemplifies everything that you want in a Laker. 
all of those things. And none of this would have been possible had he not had the confidence and had he not had the belief in himself to be able to work hard as much as he had. So um, really just proud of the guy and really happy uh, that he's here to stay. Yeah, I agree. And to help us break down the Kuzma extension and anything and everything that is the 2020-2021 Los Angeles Lakers is an old colleague of mine, not old per se, but somebody that I've known for a long time, Mr. Harrison Fagan, Lakers beat writer for SB Nation. Harrison, thanks for joining us, man. Can you hear us all right? Yeah, I can hear you great. Can you hear me all right? Oh, perfect, man. So, Harrison, before we get into this, I just want to say a little bit of a connection. I don't know how much you remember this, but I remember meeting you when you and I were both covering the L.A. Defenders. Yeah, the Defenders game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at the old Toyota Sports Arena. Those were some good Saturday nights, huh? I mean, they were sometimes, but like there was, and you'll remember this because, and I don't, I don't think we ever talked about it then, but like you'll, you'll remember this when I say it. Like that place, I have never known what it would smell like if you took your like gym socks <laughs> after a workout and put them in a freezer. But that is what it smelled like at that place. Yes. After like nine o'clock when they shut the heaters off. Yep. And the ice really started to waft in from the hockey, and for whatever reason, it started to smell at that point, oh. too. And I'll just say I do not blame the Lakers for moving out of there. That's what I'll say. Like, it was fine for the rest of it, but as soon as you shut that heater off, it was like walking into, like, a walk-in freezer of gym socks. Like, it was disgusting. But anyway, that was uh, probably more detailed than people needed for me. But, yes, I remember you, and I remember that horrible, horrible smell. It was it was a really, really bad smell. It wasn't on the court per se, but it's when you walked out of there into that second ice rink. Yes. To get out of the building, oh my gosh, it was a horrendous smell. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. But you know what? You and I have kept in contact. I am so proud that you have continued to grow your career going from the L.A. Defenders, now the South Bay Lakers, to now covering the big team with, with the L.A. Lakers. So congrats on all your success, man. And and we really, I can speak on behalf of my co-host and I, uh, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to do it anytime, man. Appreciate you, Harrison. I'm a, I mean, I'm a huge fan of your work, man. Really, really happy that you're able to come on the podcast with us tonight. Um, but let's jump right into it. Let's, I mean, we were just discussing Kuzma's extension and him staying with the team. What are your thoughts about Kuzma um, and this extension and this specifically the deal and the number that he was able to, um, I'll, I'll just say it, settle on because he's worth a little bit more than $40 million over three years to me. But uh, what do, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, like, I think it's a pretty solid deal for both sides. And this is something that Kuz kind of spoke to yesterday when he was uh, talking with the media on Zoom as well. But, like, I mean, he didn't speak to – he said that it, he felt like it was a win-win deal because of the opportunity he gets. And, like, you know, the team, obviously, it's a win for them, like, getting to keep him under contract and not have to worry about dealing with, like, a restricted free agency offer sheet for him this summer. And, like, when you look at the market, I, I think the reason that we saw a lot of – either like, oh, wow, that seems a little high for him, uh, or like, oh, wow, that seems a little low for him deals today, is you were seeing various agents negotiate with these teams, and it's like, okay, like, you know, it looks like for Luke Kennard, like, yeah, he probably got a little bit more than he would have gotten on the on the summer, but the clip for the Clippers, they were like, okay, well, do you want to lose this guy? Do you want to risk someone now that Giannis is off the market, now that all these guys are off the market? Do you want to risk some team throwing a giant offer sheet at one of these guys? Like, the Lakers clearly didn't want to risk it with Kuz. That's why they have a deal with him. Like, and I think Kuz probably took a little bit less because, like, teams were saying, you know, like teams were saying to these players, like, you know, like if like we may have to trade you, like if you're because we aren't going to be sure if we're going to be able to resign you this offseason and stuff like that. So, like, I think that you did see a little bit of the back and forth between teams and these agencies, whereas like, you know, like someone like OGN Anobi, like I think most of basketball Twitter, when his deal came out, they were like, that seems cheap for him. Like, you know, we, we would have thought that maybe he would have gotten more than that because he's obviously a really good defender and like. I think that that was one of these things where the Raptors were saying, like, you know, we don't know if we're going to, like, keep you, you know, we don't know what's going to happen here and, like, with your contract moving forward. And, you know, you saw as, like, the market was drying up, teams were agreeing to some kind of deals because all these sides were in a rush to kind of make something work. Yeah. yeah it's I mean, even, even uh, what, 
Derek White got seventy-two million dollars today over four years. I think. Yeah, or like Lonzo Ball not agreeing to one is exactly. like you know Rich Paul. You know Rich Paul is telling him like I see dollar signs for you next summer. Yeah. Like like no, we're not taking a below market extension. You're going to get the max next summer because somebody's going to be desperate. You know, right. like if you have a good year. And so like I think like that that's kind of where you saw the push and pull there a little bit between various teams and agents and players and their situation. But like I think all of it comes out of these are all dominoes of Giannis signing his extension is like. Like, you know, these teams are like ready to commit to these multi-year extensions now because they don't have to worry about keeping cap space free. Yeah, and there's a fail-safe to that. Now it's like, okay, I could be a big fish in a little pond going into next summer. So now instead of having to compete with all these other guys, just like as we saw this past offseason, the Joe Harris's, the Davis Bertans, uh, a lot of guys that would have been restricted free agents going into this season, now Lonzo could potentially lead the free agent class for for twenty uh, for twenty twenty one, so that's definitely something to keep. I mean, it. if he has a good year, he might end up being the best point guard on the market. Like he could, he'd probably not, but like he could be up there. He could like, be, yeah, and, and yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great point. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he could definitely be the big fish in a little pond. So the Lakers are obviously the odds-on favorite. They they reloaded in this expedited offseason. They've added Marcus Saul. They got Montrezl Harrell to the shock of everybody. They traded for Dennis Schroeder. They added Wesley Matthews. Um, with that said, this team it was a championship team last year. Now this year they, they're p- potentially stronger. What are their weaknesses, Harrison, if any, just based on what you've seen and how you talked to Frank Vogel and some of the other players? It's a, it's a funny question this year, right? Because it's like last year, if you would have asked any of us, like, what are the Lakers' weaknesses? We would have said, like, backup ball handling behind LeBron. Mm. You know, we would have said, like, do they have enough shooting? Like, that kind of thing. And now it looks like they basically solve pretty much all of those issues. Like, you know, honestly, like, if I'm trying to put – I guess, like, you know, like, if I had to pick one, like, and – you know, this is something that's been talked about, but, like, they don't necessarily, like, obviously AD is a great lob option and, like, arguably the best in the league at, like, that specific thing, um, or at least he's up there, you know, like, as Danny Green really tested a couple times with, like, his horrendous lob passes, uh, like, over the, uh, over the course of last season. And, like, look, all due respect to Danny Green, but, like, genuinely, like, the worst lob passer I've ever seen in the NBA. And, like, like he would throw, like, yeah, and, uh, I mean, AD could go get those because he's really, like, athletic and tall and could jump out of the gym. But, like, right. you know, I, I was talking about Marcus Gasol on our podcast today, and, like, you know, I, I was saying, like, I, I might be able to out-jump Marcus Gasol at this point. Like, probably not. But the fact that it's, like, a reasonable question that, like, anyone on here possibly could uh like it's not a great sign of how like high he can get and like Shreds has decent athleticism but he's just not super tall and doesn't have super long arms so like he's kind of a little bit limited in that respect so like I think you're missing a little bit of like the verticality like lob threat type of guy that the Lakers had last year which you know we saw like what what play did they go to to start like almost every single game they attempted to throw that lob to JaVale it didn't always work mm-hmm. but you know when teams hadn't done their scouting report I'm like okay here's the first play that they're going to run every single game the Lakers would get two free points out of that and sometimes they get you know like an eight to two run out of it and force the other team to call timeout and be right. like hey stay on JaVale like they're lobbing to him um and so the Lakers don't necessarily have that but that said like I don't know, like, functionally how huge of a weakness that's going to turn out to be. Right. Like, because, you know, like, yeah, like, Mark Gasol is not going to jump up there and, like, catch the ball and dunk it. But, like, he does give you so many other things offensively. And, like, look, if he has to catch it, like, up in the air and, like, finish with a layup or something like that or tip it in, like, how much are you really losing there? I don't know. Like, we're going to have to see it play out. And so, like, I think that, and obviously there's more to catching a lob than just, like, jumping up in the air. you got to outquick your guy to get to the basket, all that stuff. Like, right. he's not going to do that. But, um, I, I, like, I think that, you know, the fact that we're struggling this hard to find weaknesses is, I would say, an encouraging sign, right? Like, I, I think, if anything, like, they might be too deep, like, for their own good. And, like, some of that, you know, I don't want to, like, this, I'm not trying to be the hot take guy here or whatever when I say this. So, like, I, I'm not, like, this is not me, like, oh, Lakers chemistry issues, but, like, I just do wonder if that will, like, if this locker room that we saw have so much chemistry, and, like, maybe it will. Like, they have strong leaders at the top of it. But, like, if guys are all of a sudden, you know, it's easy in training camp to be like, oh, no, we all understand winning's the most important thing. We all, like, you know, we're going to play whatever role, whatever. That's an easy thing to say mm-hmm. when you're convinced that you're going to be one of the guys with the role. And whereas, like, 
you know, if the season goes on and certain guys aren't playing, I do wonder how that will go. I do think that they're probably strong enough, uh, you know, uh, like personalities in the locker room to keep it in check and then yeah. everybody kind of it knows what they're signed up for and the possibility that there may be nights they don't play. But, you know, that is, it's TBD. And, like, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, like, especially with the rise of THT, it's really, really hard to pick, like, real weaknesses for this team. And I'm somewhat straining. Trez is that wild card. Trez is definitely yeah. that wild card. I was well, Schroeder, too. Schroeder, too, you got to watch, especially because he, both of them are in a contract year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that while he, you know, while Chris asked you that question. I was like, man, what weaknesses do we have possibly, potentially? And chemistry is definitely, I mean, we're, we're, we literally have to search under a rock in order to find that, right? Yeah. But um, I, I don't think that that's something that will be a huge issue, but it, it could be. We'll, we'll see how it works out. But luckily, we do have the best leader in the sports playing LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. And AD is a good leader. Mark is going to be a guy that keeps yeah. the locker room in line, too. Like, there, there are a lot of, like, strong personalities that can kind of, like, if you're not rowing in the same direction that are going to get on you. And the, the thing that gives me a little bit more faith, faith, honestly, about Trez is that he's with Clutch. And so, like, if he starts to complain a little bit, like, he knows LeBron and AD really well. They're going to kind of, like, have a little bit more of that brotherhood, like, you know, look, like, you just got to play your role and you're going to get paid. We promise you got to show that you can contribute to a winner, even if the stats and minutes aren't the same, like, that kind of thing. Schroeder is the one that I wonder a little bit more about because it's, like, different agency, different situation where, like, he, like, you know, he's getting paid more than Trez right now, but, like, to the point where, like, he's making a little bit more and maybe he can convince himself, like, oh, like, if I contribute to a winner, like, you know, this is all good that I'll be there on my next contract. Whereas Trez is like, I didn't take less money to come here and play less of a role and, like, not, you know, show out in a contract year, you know? Like, so, again, like, all of this is grasping a little bit. Like, I have no confidence that any of this stuff is going to happen, but it is something to monitor, like, as this stuff is going on, if they hit the three-game skid and, you know, someone's not playing as much as they'd like to and the team's not winning, you know, like... That's the kind of stuff that I do wonder about with a team that's this deep. Right, absolutely. Let's transition really quick. I want to ask you about another player that was tearing up the preseason along with Kyle Kuzma, THT. Um, He seems like he's going to be that 11th guy in the rotation that's going to get some kind of minutes, in my opinion. Um, I've been, you know, kind of clamoring for him to kind of get into the rotation um, at some point later on this year, it looks like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would say what, so. What, what's your take on THT and where do you see him fitting in um, in this uh, shortened season that we have of this year? Yeah, it's fine. I was talking with one of our writers today and they, they were, I'm not going to say who just in case they don't want the take out there. Oh, but come they, on, Harrison. They, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to blast out somebody else's potential hot take. I will let them do that. Okay, uh, all right, all right. They were, like, they were like, do you think like all-star game down the line for THT is unreasonable? And I'm like, honestly, like, I mean, look, now it's my hot take. Like, I honestly don't know that it's like out of the question. I'm not predicting it yet, but like, he looks really, really good in yeah. the preseason. And, he, like, he just has skills that make you think that, like, that's the kind of guy that, you know, he could take that and play against players that are, like, actually trying really hard and, like, have talent and stuff like that on, like, some of the guys he was playing in the preseason. And, like, you know, he could really do something. Like, they're really se- they really seem to have something here, which is kind of crazy for, uh, you know, second-round pick. Like, all the caveats in the world came out after, like, a mediocre college year. was thought that he would have been a lottery pick if he had gone back and, you know, like, stuck with it, whatever. But he didn't. He came out and he started getting paid and paid to develop. And now we're seeing the fruits of that labor. Like, he has an N- he pretty much has an NBA body now. Like, he clearly has NBA skills in terms of his ball handling and his ability to get to the rim. Like, he looks really good. And... You know, like I, I, I'm at the point, and like I think there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of people that aren't here yet. It's like, how do you keep this guy out of the rotation? Like, I just don't think that you can. And I, I actually asked Frank about that today, and like, if they're working with him on kind of more complementary skills a little bit, because you know, like obviously he's not going to have the ball in his hands for 30 percent of their possessions if he's out there with LeBron, or even if he's out there with Schroeder. And like, he just basically said, I, I thought his answer was fairly telling, where he, you know, he praised. Uh, you know, like he praised THT for the things that he does away from the ball. But then he also said, you know, if LeBron sits out or like somebody sitting out, we really see him as a guy that can carry the offense and distribute the ball for us. And like, to me, that says that they mostly see him as like a, okay, if somebody's taking load management, THT gets thrown out there guy. And he does pretty clearly seem to be the 11th man. Like that's kind of how most that's, of the players that's how I see him. him. 
Yeah, and like yeah. Dudley went out and like came out and said it, which like again, I don't know if Frank like has a depth chart listed in the locker room, but like the fact that he's getting referred to so much as an eleventh man and kind of in that context is notable to me. But I do think that they'll try and find him like I don't know, like ten minutes a game at least. Like you got to give him a couple possessions to go out there and try and do something against NBA guys just to give him film to look at. Like I agree, I agree. Yeah, and and the thing is, um, and. I, I just wrote a piece on the uh, the outlet that I write for, uh, Nightfall Media, and I said being efficient and effective in short minutes is going to be the calling card for THT this year. Now, obviously, that's going to that's gonna change from night to night if LeBron's sitting out, if AD's sitting out, if there's an injury to Kuz or Caruso, knock on wood, then he's going to be asked to fill those roles, no matter who, whose it is. You know, Wesley Matthews goes down or something like that. He's got an injury history. So being effective and efficient in short minutes is key, which is which is why I said I could see THT, and I got a lot of crap for my, from my co-host for what I'm about to tell you. I got I, I predict THT could be closer to what Courtney Lee was early in his career with the Orlando Magic and the New Jersey Nets. 3 and D guy, good energy, good body type, could defend multiple positions, brings that air of toughness, but long-term – as he continues to develop and spots open up for him, I could see him being what Jalen Brown has been for Boston. So oh, I man, wanted to get yeah, your I take. For the spot. I was like, Courtney Lee, like that doesn't sound like too like, short term though. Like, what is he? I was like, man, the biggest Courtney Lee stand in the world on this podcast. Like he's like, how dare you compare him to the goat, uh, Courtney Lee? I was like, wait a second, I'm waiting. But okay, the Jalen Brown thing, you got there, and like, I mean, that is a spicy take. Um, okay, but short term. Short term, Courtney Lee on this team, eleventh okay. okay. man. Short term. Right. I, I actually, I, I kind of like I, their games aren't the same, but I kind of like the Courtney Lee comparison in terms of like a guy. At least when he was young, like he he came into a winning team, he was able to contribute, and then eventually kind of showed that he could do a little bit more in a bigger role later on. Like with uh, you know, as he moved on in his career, just I mean, still, I don't know if he ever learned to make a tip in, but like you know, <laughs> obviously <laughs> fell apart on that one in the 09 finals. Like that was uh, you know that was uh, that was rough. I, that's uh, Every, every time someone says Courtney Lee, that is the first play that I think of is just him just like floating there right at the basket and like being able to drop it in and missing. Like he's probably still got to have nightmares about that. And that could have changed that whole series, Harrison. Sorry to interrupt, yeah, I know, but right? that could have changed really the whole could've, series. It would have shifted the momentum at least. Like I still think the Lakers would have won, but that would have been like a wild, you know, sure. like outcome that would have, you know, at least punched them in the mouth a little bit. But getting back to you know the spicier part of your take uh, like i don't i don't know like i don't know that i i'm there yet like jalen brown's really good like jalen brown is like uh probably going to be a perennial all-star like whatever but the fact that like we can't sit here like we aren't just like doubled over laughing i would say is a good sign for tht like i mean i still think that like we got to see a little more from him before we start going like long-term you know jalen brown projection but like i get where you're coming from like bigger wing can handle the ball a little bit isn't necessarily like the best shooter yet although like he shot well in the preseason but like you know larger sample size has not been a great shooter um so far so like i I mean again i'm not gonna go out on that limb but like I, i you know i like where your head is at and like i do think that he has like i think that because he's a second round pick all of us are sitting here like to some degree trying to be like tepid about him like nobody wants to be the first one to take the steps out like i'm sure it was with kobe too like nobody wants to be the first one to step out on like oh this guy's gonna be an all-star island like you know it's just like oh yeah it's a promising young kid whatever like but at some point like the consensus is gonna shift and like again i don't know that like i don't know jalen brown i don't know like where exactly he'll go on like that scale but i I do think that he has a chance to be a lot better than a lot of people are thinking right now like again we got to see it in the regular season that's the next step for him but you know i mean i don't know how much g league you still watch but i caught a bit last year of him i covered him his his highlights in the G League look like this. Like this is right. what this is his game, and so to some degree, like he should be able to do this stuff. Like now, how efficient will he continue to be at the NBA level? I don't know, but like you look at the tools and like a seven foot wingspan for a six four guard with his handles is like he should be a really efficient rim, a finisher around the rim, and like he can get there at will. We've pretty much seen like right. he's definitely going to like once they start playing the first good rim protectors, like he's going to have some struggles and like have some shooting issues where. You know, like, the first time they play Rudy Gobert, like, I don't expect, like, a breakout game from THT or something. Like, but I do think that that kind of stuff, like, he's going to learn and he's going to have to finish around those long arms and things like that. And there will be growing pains this year, but I I think he has a chance to be really, really good. I agree. 
I agree. I think he's going to be re- really good. Uh, no question about it. The great Harrison Fagan, uh, Lakers beat writer, SB Nation. Chaz, did you have one more for Harrison? I just want to. I just want to know where you, how do you see this season going, Harrison? Like, I know we're all, you know, we're all on the Laker train. I mean, and and, and rightfully so. But just objectively speaking, if we weren't bleeding purple and gold out of our veins, how do you see this Laker season? Yeah, so I, I don't know if you're trying to get me roasted again here, but I already got flamed on Twitter once in the last week for this take. But in the interest of honesty, I will give it again. Um, I I think that I will preface this with I think the Lakers are better. Um, I think that they meaningfully upgraded a lot of areas on their roster, like we spent all this time talking about. I think that like I think that they will repeat. I think that they will do probably dirty, filthy, disgusting things throughout the playoffs to some of their opponents. Like they have, I think the personnel, like they were able to make adjustments last year with like a less good team. Like mm-hmm. I think that they're gonna like the amount that they're gonna be able to game plan to specific opponents is going to make them look arguably more dominant than the run that we already just saw, in my opinion. That said, I picked them to be the four seed. I don't know if that was a little bit low at this point, given the, all the pushback wow. that I've gotten. I'm thinking maybe, but I do think that there are going to be a lot of nights where they load manage. I think that despite everyone saying like, oh, we're going to be locked in all these games, all these games matter. Everybody that goes out there is going to play really hard. Like I want to see it for 10, 10 to 20 games. First. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not, and I just think, I think this team is really good. I just don't think that they are going to care enough every single night to result in like you know in, in a ton of wins and i think that there are a lot of other teams with more to prove in the regular season like i think the i think the nuggets have more to prove i think that the clippers have more to portland prove. and like i think that portland has more to prove i don't know if they're good enough to actually pass the lakers in the standings but like i think the warriors have something to prove like you know we're back we're still good even without like again i don't again i don't know if i see top three seed for them right. but at the bare minimum there are two teams at the top of this Western Conference bracket and the Nuggets and the Clippers that have more to prove than the Lakers do in the regular season. Harrison, I don't think it's that crazy of a take. No, no, it's you. not. I and, and also, I, see, I was able to explain it on here. No, you were. Like, on Twitter, the problem is, is like SB Nation just tweeted out, Harrison picked the, picked the Lakers to finish fourth in the West. I'm like, damn it, guys. Like, and Harrison, also, too, think back to the early three-peat Lakers. Only during that 2000 season did they finish with the number one overall seed. Those and other the years, when they were... one season is specifically the one that I'm thinking of. It's right, like and they, they were, what, a two? Coast a little bit, and then yeah. completely turn it on in the playoffs. And that's how it is, especially now. We're, we're still in the middle of this pandemic. We don't know who potentially could get infected, who's going to have to sit out the two weeks, and that could change the whole dynamic of the season. And this is a deep and loaded Western Conference yet again. So it's not crazy to think. Four is a little low for me. Yeah, honestly, Two or three could, I could teams, see that, though. Four felt a little low for me, even. after making, I made my pick, like, three weeks ago. But, like, um, yeah, I think three is probably more reasonable. And if I could amend it, I would do that. But, unfortunately, I am a man of integrity, and I will not go back and change my pick just because I made a mistake. So Harrison, Mr. Integrity. I just have one more <laughs> quick one. If you'll okay. allow... Yeah, no, as, as, uh, as Salvador said in uh, Couples Retreat, allow me to regard me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, could you also see the Lakers making this move? Alfonso McKinney just started playing with the team right now. However, they could still use one more guy at 6'10 or above. Could you see him being the odd man out in order to address the big man situation? A lot of people have said Pau Gasol, but I'm also thinking somebody along the lines of a Dwayne Dedman. Yeah, look, like, if they could trade him for a big man, like, I think they would probably do it. I mean, I don't, again, I don't know, like, how much they love, uh, maybe they really love Alfonso McKinney game. Like, they're, like, Rob Polinka is, like, an Alfonso McKinney stand, like, logging on, like, commenting that he's super underrated from his burner account or something. But, like, I, I would, my guess would be, given that he, uh, you know, both he and Jordan Bell were kind of just, like, we are throwing these guys in to make the money work so that we can take on JaVale for a second round pick. Like, I can't imagine they value him tremendously, but that said, like if they wanted Deadman, he would be a Laker right now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they would have, they would have just cut McKinney and signed Deadman. Like, and again, like, you know, they would have, although I think they're hard cap, so maybe they wouldn't be able to because of the cap hit. Yeah. Um, so maybe not, maybe actually he wouldn't be a Laker, but you would think they maybe would have signed him with that last roster spot that went to Quinn Cook if they really, really wanted him. Like, I think that, you know, I think they probably see that as a need somewhat, but I think they're going to go into the season and see, like, okay, can we get by with Mark and Trez playing 
you know, 70% of the center minutes and let AD play like 30 of them. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's about where he was last year. He was like 35% of his minutes were at center. Uh, and again, I don't know like what portion of Lakers center minutes that was, but um, like, you know, you'd think that he would play a little bit again this season and like that they would try and get by with Trez and Mark at the beginning. And if that's not working, then maybe at that point you start to reevaluate your options. But for right now, like I just like, I think that this is the roster they're going to go into it with and kind of just see how it goes. That's the potential problem. While we're over here turning over rocks, talking about chemistry issues potentially, which probably aren't going to happen, that's really the key um, feature as to what could possibly go wrong. Like, wait and see. I'm, that's going to really they are, determine on That is the one thing. Happens. Like, if they, they are a mark injury away from, like, having a serious, like, issue at center. Like, yeah. like, if he gets hurt and he has missed time his last couple seasons, like, they could have, like, a very real issue at center. You know, but that said, like, I really like Devontae Kaycock. I think he can play. And, like, I-, I would not be surprised, like, if they just think, like, you know, okay, let's say Mark misses 10, 15 games, whatever, load management, all that stuff. We can just throw Devontae in there. And, yeah, like, he's not he's not Mark Gasol, but, like, you know, he can do some different things for us and, like, you know, and help us out. But, again, like, you know, that's me just kind of assuming that. And I- I'm probably a bigger fan of his game than most. And he's been with the team, and he knows our sets, and he yeah. has that familiarity. And he plays so. hard. He's another he's another hustle big man. You know, kind of, you could almost even say, like, a poor man's Montrez Harold in a way. So. Yeah, no, I mean, he said that that's someone that his coach told him to, like, watch film of. And, like, it's funny. He said that before Trez even was on the Lakers. This was last year, like, in conversations. Like, And so it's funny that they're on the same team now, and I wonder, like, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, film camp is going on right there. Like, I don't know if you can teach someone to play as hard as Trez. Like, I don't know. I mean, Devontae obviously plays really hard rebounds his ass he off does, yeah. Side. So, like, I don't know, maybe he just watched Trez and he's like, yep, okay, I can do that. Like, and, you know, now he just has to kind of learn to do it at the NBA level, I guess. Harrison, one one thing is for sure, before we let you go, one thing is for sure, this G League has done an amazing job getting closer to what mo- the minor leagues have meant to baseball, where it's actually developing talent that could help teams at the next level. Chris Middleton, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. I mean, just to name a few. Danny just, Green. Even just the South Bay Lakers. Alex yeah. Caruso, David Nwaba. Yeah, know, like, Caruso. Uh, like Andre Ingram. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm going through the name. Like, Josh Hart played a little bit down there. Sweet Mackay Luke. Like, but I'm talking about guys who are actually now becoming regular NBA players, and some of them actually becoming all-star caliber players. And some of them, yeah. in the case of Siakam and Van Vliet, and now Alex Caruso, uh, champion type players, so it's Bear, it's getting to that next point. The highest paid center of all time. Well, like, yeah, you know, Isaac Bonga. Yeah, it, it's actually Isak, which he Isak, never yeah. anyone his entire time with the Lakers. <laughs> on like everybody just called him Isaac, and he never said anything. And then we find out when he's on the Wizards, it's actually Isak. But yeah, he, no another guy went through the went through the G League and yeah. the South Bay Lakers, and is now like possibly a starter for the Wizards. Like that, which is crazy because just they actually might be a playoff team. Like. And, and that was the joy I always had covering those games because it's like you're looking around and how many of these guys could end up either back in the NBA or how many of them could take their games to the next level and not just be a 12th man off the bench and being a glorified cheerleader, but also somebody who could play regular rotation minutes and be a key cog on a championship team. Like you said, a la Alex Caruso, that is what's that's what I think the G League is headed towards. They've really gotten their stuff together over the last four or five years, and it's great to see that that program is starting to stick and not only providing opportunities, but opportunities that can lead to another level, like I said, with minor league baseball. So, And, yeah. I, and I know you appreciate that because we both covered that league together. No, we, we both – you know, we both have been through it. We've gotten our call-ups. Like, you know, I, I, I feel it. I, I Like, I empathize with those guys. And, like, I root for all of them to get paid. Jamario Jones, another one. Like, all these guys, like, coming through the South Bay Lakers and, like, getting to the NBA. Like, that's awesome. I'm always happy to see that. And the G League and the G League, D League in general. Harrison, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate your time. You were more than generous with it. And uh, good luck covering the season, man. We're going to look forward to all your coverage. Tell, in, in fact, tell our listeners how they could follow you. Yeah, so just uh, check out silverscreenandroll.com or uh, at H-M-F-A-I-G-E-N on Twitter is where I'm at. Right on, man. Thanks again so much for your time. Great right, coverage man, as you. always. Great segments. It, w- it was a joy to have you on. We're going to have you on again real soon, man. Happy to do it anytime, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Thanks. But uh, the great Harrison Fagan. That was that was cool, okay. huh? That was, 
giving us some good stories. Yeah. Correcting me on Bonga's name. <laughs> I mean, Dude, for what it's worth, Chaz, uh, I, I didn't know it was Isak either. You know, a, a guy's name is spelt like uh, Isaac. You're going to call him Isaac, right? I mean, that's just what it is. No, but Harrison, Harrison and I, you know, we, we go back a little bit. And, you know, it's great to see him progress forward in his career. You know, I mean, definitely somebody that I am, uh, you know, I'm trying to aspire to be closer to in, in my career as a sports journalist. And, you know, everything happens in time, you know, it's timing and opportunity is everything, but uh, be sure to follow all of his coverage. He'll be doing the Lakers beat all season long for uh, SB nation. So always good stuff there. So uh, Chaz, so we talked yep. about THT being the preseason, you know, being the stud of the preseason for the Lakers, really the talk of the town. As much as we, you know, we were impressed with Trez and Kuzma uh, improving, and the great wizardry that was uh, Marcus um that was Marcus uh time. So there was a lot that that went into that. But I just wanted to ask you: Was he legitimately the MVP for the Lakers? Or uh, for I, I'm the- sorry. Was THC the MVP of the Lakers preseason? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there, I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, you, you could argue coups, but you would have to go with THT because the masses didn't know what he was capable of. Somebody like you or Harrison or myself that watched or even Audell from uh, Showtime Forum, we're all people that watch the South Bay Lakers and watch the guys in the G League coming up when we when we can, obviously, when we're not watching you know, the big team, as you called them earlier. Mm-hmm. But I I really think that THT had a really good coming out. Um, he showed really what he's about, not only on the offensive end, but even on the defensive end, taking the ball from, from Kawhi, um, uh, one of the best wing players that we have in the game. Um, even THT showing off his mid-range game in that last Phoenix preseason game, giving you the step-back 15-footer, uh, giving you floaters, giving you the three-pointer. I mean, Skip Bayless said that THT couldn't hit the backside of a barn as far as his shooting is concerned. And THT went out literally that next night and hit, I believe, two or four from three um, and with contested threes right in you know people's faces. So THT just showed us all of the skills that he uh, possesses and the versatility that he's able to give to this team to be able to push us that much further. So, yeah, for, for the Lakers, he was the MVP um, because these were games were meaningless. They didn't mean anything other than let's see what we have. Uh, how will these rotations work? How will the chemistry work? Um, and what can we get out of it going into this first regular season game against the Clippers tomorrow? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, THC was a baller. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take a uh, an analytics expert. It doesn't take somebody like uh, Mr. LeBron hater, Skip Bayless, to know that Taylor Horton Tucker made a name for himself and not just with the Lakers organization because they've been watching this kid for a year now. They practiced with them. They saw the work ethic. They saw the drive and the desire and and how he has continued to expand his game. But now he's making a name for himself throughout the league because anybody who watched the Lakers during preseason, they're like, oh, wow, he's turning a few heads to the point where on the nights that he's playing, Believe me, opposing coaches are going to have to start game planning for him a little bit. And that's going to be tough to do, especially on those nights that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are still playing because those two already keep your hands full. So no question he was preseason MVP. There's always that one guy in preseason that really comes out and makes a name for himself. Last year it was Alex Caruso. And we saw with with Caruso in a deep backcourt, by the way, Bradley, Green, KCP, Rondo, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels. I was like, where is Alex Caruso going to play? Somebody's minutes are going to fall out. And eventually it was Daniels and Cook who became the odd men out. But And, of course, the injuries to Bradley and Rondo certainly helped Caruso get right in. But that's... Why, though? Why? Because, Why of, every, because of everything that Caruso brought to the table. What, what, did, what did Daniels and Cook didn't do as well as Caruso did is why Caruso got on the floor. Those guys are good scorers. Troy Daniels is an is a knockdown three point shooter. Quinn Cook is a really good scorer. Former national champion with Duke. Former NBA champion with Golden State. But Caruso brought defense, intensity, hustle, energy. Uh, he could knock down the occasional three, and he always made one big play. 
that always seemed to spark the crowd, spark the team, and he was huge for the Lakers. There's no question. Is he the perfect player? No. But he was a significant piece. Like I was telling Harrison, he was a significant piece on that team. And this was somebody that we didn't know going into last year how he was going to fit in considering what they have. And it's the same thing with THT. Maybe THT outplays somebody to the point where somebody has to fall out of the rotation. I don't know who that would be because all these guys are championship caliber players or have established contracts. But just knowing that you have him in your back pocket on the nights where guys are load managing or knock on wood, potentially fall ill with this virus or injured or something, you could plug this guy in and know you're going to get hustle. You're going to get intensity. You're going to get toughness. You're going to get three-point shooting. You're going to get a guy who could handle the ball, who could attack the basket and plays with a lot of confidence and no fear. THT just isn't going to get into the rotation. He's going to play once he gets into the rotation, he's going to play every game. He's going to get into a rotation to where he plays every single game. Why? And this is me knocking on wood. I don't think anybody's going to like catch COVID to the point where to where they're hospitalized or anything like that. But as we can already tell with the preseason, guys are going to miss games, not from catching COVID, but being just too close to it right. or exposed to it or breaking the protocols by going somewhere. Not everybody is going to play every game and be available for every game. So that's primary. That, along with THT's actual talent on the court, is the reason why I think THT is going to not only get into the rotation, but play pretty much almost every game at least 10 minutes or more because there's just going to be guys out and you're going to have to be able to substitute different levels of energy. And THT has brought energy to every single play that he's played in the preseason so far, even going back to the bubble uh I want to say last year, but it was three months ago. Um, but as far as um, the rotation goes, I, I just really think that he'll get in there. He'll play every day or every game, at least some spot minutes. And um, the rich get richer, and we're off and rolling to the – Yeah. You know what's funny? Chaz, last year we talked about the Lakers being an older squad. Like they were too old. They had a lot of older guys, a lot of guys whose best days were behind them. Now you look at this squad, and how many guys do you now have – who are genuinely in their prime. Yeah, you got a couple older guys on the team, Wesley Matthews, Marcus All, but those guys are still in pretty good shape and they could still contribute at a at a fairly high level. Maybe not where they were earlier in their career, but they're still good quality players that you want to have on a winning team because they will have those moments that are going to be difference makers. But now you look at how many guys are in their early to mid 20s, you know, mid to late 20s on this Laker team. So the the thing that we were worried about last year, now isn't so much of a problem this year. Just my opinion on that. Let's li- let's list them though. So guys that are in their prime. I'm going to go out on a limb and say LeBron James is still in his prime. He's certainly okay. playing like made, it. Yeah, <laughs> he play, he's play, he's playing like like it. So until he shows me otherwise, LeBron's in his prime. AD's in his prime. Schroeder's in his prime. Trez. Trez is de- Trez is definitely in his prime. KCP. I'm not going to put I'm not going to put Kuz there. KCP. That's five. Yeah. Um, Caruso, no. Caruso, Caruso, Caruso. I'll say yes. Caruso is definitely yeah. in his prime. I don't think he's going to get much, much, much better than where he is now. Um, Keith is definitely in his prime. Uh Keith. I want to say, as opposed to his twin brother, I don't know how this is possible. Keith is starting to. I think he's on the downside now of the peak, whereas Marcus is on the peak. So I want to say I'm going to disagree with you there. I want to say Keith is a little bit. He's on the decline okay, so a little we'll call bit. It- We'll call that six and a half. So that's, I say seven. <laughs> you say so Split the difference. We'll, we'll, set, we'll settle on six and a half from there. Are, are we missing anybody else? Matthews, no. Uh, Matthews and Gasol are probably the two guys that are probably not in their prime. That are probably either, either at their peak or, in Mark's case, probably on the decline because of the injuries and stuff. I actually think West still has some good years left in him just because it took him a few years to get back on track after that Achilles injury. And it looks like he still has that bounce in his step. So that may end up actually, if he's 35, 36, he may end up having, well, I'm not saying he's 35 or 36 now, but once he gets to that 35, 36 year old season he, he may have more or less the mileage of somebody at 32 33 34 you know so okay. i think i think so, that's something to keep so I, I don't know about wesley matthews i mean maybe he's on the decline because of not having the explosiveness but i mean even he can still contribute at a fairly high high ish level i don't know 
let's just err on the side of caution. Let's say no for Wesley Matthews. Okay. That's, I say seven out of 11 guys in the rotation. You say six of 11. Either way, that's more than half of the rotation that's yeah. in their prime. So hats off to Rob Palenka. Hats off to Frank Vogel, Jeannie Buzz, the entire Laker brass, Linda Rambis, Kurt Rambis, the Rambi, I call them. Um, they just have done a great job. They have. And I know Jerry West has come out. And oh. you know, his voicemail has come out and calling the Lakers, um, for lack of a better term, a crap show. Well, and <laughs> I, you know, it hurt, it hurt my heart. I, I, I understand, did. but you also, well, the, two things. One, at the time, it was sort of a you know what show because of the following things. One, Magic stepped down, lit a, lit a match on national TV on first take under. Under the feet of Rob Palenka as well as Jeannie Buss by association. So that was one aspect. And two, you say whatever you have to say to get the player to sign with your team and not the other team. If you've got to, if you have to blackmail, not blackmail, but you know what I mean? If you have to blackball, if you have to create false, false narratives, tell lies, that's, you know, I mean, that's really what it is. And, you know, Jerry West. He's not this quiet old man that sits in the corner. This is clearly a dude. If you heard the voicemail, like I know you did, Chaz, and I and I heard it recently myself. Uh, this dude got vicious because why? He really wanted Kawhi Leonard. If we're gonna have any chance of being competitive or building a name for ourselves outside of the shadow of the Los Angeles Lakers, a brand that I also helped build, then we're gonna need to get this guy. There's no question about that. So if I gotta say this, that, and the other. Some unflattering things about Palinka, about Genie, about whoever. So be it. I'm trying to get the player. No, I understand absolutely. But you're just right, though. Heart. From just from from a sentimental to hear the logo say that about the franchise that made him the logo. That's I agree. From a sentimental value, from just the Laker family and all all of their all, all of their members that include Shaquille O'Neal, that include Kobe, that include Elgin Baylor. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, Gail Goodrich, James Worthy, etc. There's almost too many to list. The great George Mikan from the Minneapolis days. Yeah, it, it, it does hurt. It, it does sting. But at the same point in time, he doesn't work for the Lakers. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. it would. I think it would have stung more if he just said this in a random interview, not employed by anybody. But he said it as a member of the Clipper organization, as somebody on Steve Ballmer's payroll. So naturally, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes, man. Hey, ring night is tomorrow night, and that's going to take away all of that sting that you're talking about. I care, obviously, but I care about rings and jewelry and banners a lot more. So let's segue a little bit more to the season, Yeah, which is we are on It's pretty much my Christmas Eve. You guys' Christmas Eve might be on Thursday night celebrating. My Christmas Eve is actually tonight because tomorrow... By the time you guys listen to this podcast tomorrow, the Lakers will play the Clippers. The rings will be brought out. Mm. The banner may or may not be hoisted. I don't know. We don't know yet. But the Lakers did announce today that there is going to be a ring night. And the Clippers are the, are the number one victim. So tomorrow night, what do you predict is going to happen, Chris? Ring night is always a special night, man. I mean, whether it's been a Laker championship or another team, it's always interesting to see how they put it out there. Uh, obviously, under normal circumstances, you have fans there. Everyone's everyone's there. You know, it's probably a whole day type of ordeal. People getting off work to to go down there and and get be part of the uh, pregame festivities, and then get into the get into cram into Staples Center and just see all of the atmosphere. Just feel that electricity and almost rem- and reminisce and reminisce about all the things that the team accomplished. Uh, that past year. So I think that's another special aspect. And I remember one year when the Lakers three-peated going into the 0203 season, Randy Newman played on the Staples Center floor singing I Love LA. You can still find that on YouTube, by the way. I mean, things like that. Obviously, we're not going to have that this year. So there is going to be, it's going to be a very mild version of it. But I also came up with an idea like you, what would be cool is if Jeannie Buss got Santa Claus to basically come down from, you know, the rafters or something like that. And, you know, in his sack, he's got the rings in there to present to Jeannie Buss. Uh, that would, really good, that would be really, cool. That's a really good idea. And it one more, I, dangerous, 
but yeah, no, dangerous. I'm not saying like come down from the rafters, but you know, maybe do something that. like you know, yeah. something where Santa Santa comes down from from down above, like he's coming through the chimney, but instead he comes through like the Staples Center roof. And I also think I also think it would be pretty awesome if Vanessa Bryant and her three daughters were present there and and actually spoke. I think that would be such a touching uh, moment for the Laker organization, for the players, for the fans, and you know about what this meant to her family and what what it would have meant for her late husband. And her daughter, Gianna Bryant and Kobe Bryant. I mean, I think it. I think that would be awesome if that were to happen. That wouldn't surprise me. This franchise gets it from. It just gets it from every aspect that you could possibly just understand it from. Because you go back to the Black Mamba jerseys, right? Mm. You remember how that, those in the, yeah. in the bubble were being, you know, but. They, they pushed them up. The Lakers were not scheduled to wear the Mamba jerseys for game five of the NBA finals, right? That it was a series clinching game that mm. was potential, was potentially going to happen. And then they, they moved it up. I understand that our franchise just gets it. That's something I think that they have something up their sleeve. Something up their sleeve. It's, it's not just going to be your traditional ring night where you just pass out the rings, Adam Silver speak, LeBron speak, see the banner, whatever. And we and we've all had great memories about that, but I think something is going to happen that's just going to give us a little bit more uh, meat on the bone, something a little bit more tantalizing, like you said, Vanessa speaking, Santa coming down from the Raptors. I don't know. Something's happening tomorrow, and I can't wait. All I hope is that the Lakers win the game. I yeah. just do not want the Clippers to win. If there's one game that you have to win. It's that game. You can lose Christmas. You can even lose against the Timberwolves and the Spurs. And you can start the season one and three. But you beat the Clippers on ring night, all will be right tomorrow. That is, it is always such a tough game. I remember one year the Chicago Bulls went into Miami in the 06-07 season and just beat the brakes off the heat in Miami. So ring night is a, don't get me wrong, that, those are some tough games. I've seen the Lakers win them, especially in recent years. I remember one year they, they ended up beating Houston in overtime. Steve Blake, a game-winning three uh, to start off the 2010-2011 season. But, you know, a lot of times it's a, it's a tough matchup, no matter who it is. If you had the Clippers in there or the Charlotte Hornets or, I mean, whoever else, uh, the Sacramento yeah, Kings. It's a hard it, night to play. Yeah, it, it's, it's a hard night to play because those, that other team is sitting in there they're they're trying to spoil your your night. They're trying to you're they're sitting in the locker room for extra time, and now it's like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna get you guys back for making us wait so long. So it's gonna be a competitive game. It would not surprise me on Tuesday night that the Lakers and the Clippers battle to the end, just like they did in last year's opening night. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good game regardless. Um, obviously, I hope that the Lakers just beat the brakes off that team, uh, so that way there's not even a notion uh, that anybody can compete with us for the rest of the year. But I know it's probably going to be a tough game. Yeah. Uh, a, a lot going to be on the players' minds. Um, and I just go back to 2010 when Kobe uh, got his last ring um, and how proud he looked to see that banner go up in the rafters. It was just, I, I got to see it on, you know, it was trending on the internet uh, earlier this morning and I was able to watch that video and it was like, man, it's already been a decade, and, and my man is gone, but um, he still lives on with us, and he'll be present. His spirit will be present for no me tomorrow. And, and I, I hope I his wait. and I hope his family is too. How cool, especially with no fans there, to have Vanessa stand there and address the team head on, not just address the fans or anybody like that, but to address the team and maybe even you know another thing that would be very symbolic as well. And I don't know if Jeannie would do this, but even have her pass out some of the rings. You know that would be that would be a, such an amazing, powerful moment. Emotional, talking about paying tribute to her late husband and the memory of her daughter as well. Man, I mean, I'm just you getting talk about heavy. Dude, you talk about heavy. That's that's heavy that's on a heavy. different level, right there. But I I still think she should be present. I think it would be it would mean so much to to the fans. It would mean so much to Jeannie. It would mean so much to the players because he would Kobe's memory. And the tragedy that ensued this organization and, and really 
ripped our town up before anything else, before COVID, before all of these different issues with social injustices that we saw throughout the year, that Kobe Bryant tragic death on January 26th of, of this year, about to be one year almost, uh, really ripped us. And it really just, I mean, I still can't describe it. It was one of the saddest days of my life. And I've had a few in my life. I've had to say goodbye to a lot of friends and family members and people close to me, but that one, you know, hurt differently. And I know it hurt uh, other, other Angelinos and Laker fans and Kobe fans the same way. I mean, this, this thing just hit us all over. So to have Vanessa there in a very positive moment, a happy moment to pay tribute to her late husband, the way the team did throughout the season, because this was a motivating factor to win a championship this past year, was for Kobe's memory. And even Rondo was talking about that on All the Smoke. I think that would just, that would hit home even more for these players. And I think even provide motivation for this season. Man, I, you're right. I, I'm at a loss for words because while you were speaking, I'm just thinking to go back and plan it in my mind. And I know people are listening to this right now, playing it back in their mind too. That is definitely... If not, if not the worst day, top three worst days of my life, for sure. Definitely. For sure. So, um, you know, and Lakers winning this 17th championship is uh, one of the best days of of my life, you know. Um, It gave us a a ray of sunshine in a dark year. because of what it meant. Because of what it meant after these last 10 years, Mm -hmm. specifically the last seven and specifically the last two, really. So... Yeah, ring night is tomorrow night. I can't wait. What's your great. outlook on the, what's your outlook on the first week of the season? We got the we got the Clippers, then we got the Mavericks on Christmas, then we got the Timberwolves where the Lakers will be the Lakers will be debuting some new jerseys on Christmas. That's right. You got the white Elgin Baylor jersey that's coming out, that Elgin Baylor uh design and then you got the classic jersey uh which is the the blue uh the alternate to the white, the blue and baby blue um dark blue classic jersey against the Timberwolves and then you got the Spurs. Uh, after that as well. So out of those four games, you think the Lakers start two and two, three and one, four and oh, one and three. What do you think? I think three and one sounds about right. I think they should be able to beat Minnesota and San Antonio, although I could see them dropping one of those two games too as well. Dallas, they seem to have Dallas's number. I know Dallas beat them once last year, but LeBron James was not a hundred percent in that game. Um, they've, they've always matched up well with the Mavs in this Luka Doncic era. And I mean, the, the Mavs are going to come to play. That's Christmas. That's going to be a Christmas day game right there. And, but I don't think the Mavs really, you know, they're still without Porzingis. Yeah. Luka's going to have a good game and all they got Josh Richardson, but I, I could, I should, I think they should beat that game. It's the opening night game that I could see them potentially losing to the Clippers just because of the emotion of that night. The Clippers are going to be out ready to you know, make a name for themselves and, and remind people that they were still the two seed in the West last year and that they're still a very good team and a force to be reckoned with. So three and one is my prediction. You? What Correct, do you think? Correction. Not the Spurs. The, not the last game. It's actually the Blazers. Oh. Does, that change your, does that change your prediction at Ooh. all? Or is that still- remain the same i don't know i mean the blazers all four four games at home all four games at home blazers are are a good team i i think the blazers could finish as high as two this year i like the i like the additions that they made yeah i know it's a hot take i could see them finishing as high as two a healthy nurkic they bring in robert covington you still got one of the most potent backcourts in in the league you got you short up your depth at the front court position with Ennis Cancer. You brought in Derek Jones Jr. off the bench. You got Rodney Hood. You got Gary Trent. You got Mello. You got about you know you talk about the Lakers being ten deep. That that squad over there is about nine ten deep. So just saying, Portland I think is going to be a force to be reckoned with. The only issue is, are they going to be better defensively? But on any given night, they could beat the Lakers. So I still think they could go three and one. But I could see them dropping one of those two games, either to Portland or to the Clippers. I think that Timberwolves game is the is the trap game. It's a trap yeah, game, but I think they win it though. If I'm, I'm just looking at it, I, I think the Clippers is a win. You don't lose on Christmas. You have a letdown after Christmas, and you get it back against the Portland Trailblazers. Although the Lakers I'm, historically have been bad on Christmas, just saying. I believe that as well, but. We haven't won on Christmas in how many years? Uh, two, actually. They they beat the Warriors two years ago. Remember, Rondo went off in the right. Bay right okay, yeah. But then, but then that that Timberwolves lost on Christmas. Lonzo's rookie year just sticks out in my mind. I couldn't believe that they lost that game. 
um, against the Timberwolves. We, we were the late game, 2000. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Seventeen, eighteen. It was Alonzo and Kuzma's rookie year. Oh, okay, uh, okay. God, they played, Minas- they played team. Minnesota that year. I don't remember that. Minis- right. Minnesota at the late game, the seven, the seven thirty p.m. game is is when we played. We never played that slot, but. We played that slot that year. So, <laughs> well, so so, what is your prediction then? Now that you know that it's Clippers, Minnesota, uh, Dallas, Minnesota, and Portland. That first I got week. three and one, just like you, just a different order. I think we beat the Clippers. I think we beat the Mavericks uh, on Christmas. I think mainly because there's no Chris House Porzingis. So yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll beat them handily um, if we can get past the Timberwolves, and we'll go four and zero. Oh. But and I think we want to make an early statement against the Blazers. As well, um, yeah. just to kind of keep that keep that momentum going from the playoffs. But they'll be jacked up and ready to play us because we bounced them out of the playoffs. So you know, Dame Lillard's going to want to get that back for sure. For sure, I think Portland's going to be. I I'm just saying that's the team to watch out for this year. I'm not I'm not trying to discount Denver or the Clippers or Dallas or Utah or any of these other teams. They're all going to be really good teams. I can see any one of them finishing two or three. I'm just saying if Portland is healthy, which is something they weren't last year, nor did they have depth. Now that they could kind of distribute the ball and get the pressure off of Dame and, and McCollum's shoulders a little bit to Nurkic, to Mello, to Covington, to Cantor, to some of these other guys, just saying, watch out for them. Watch out for them. But defense is going to definitely be the issue. All right, that's going to about wrap it up. On this edition of the Showtime Forum Podcast, I think we gave everyone enough for for, for one evening over here. Uh, thanks again to Harrison Fagan for, join, uh, for joining us. Check out all of his stuff on SB Nation and follow him on all social media platforms. You can also follow us at Showtime Forum on all major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to download and subscribe. Also on, on all social media uh, platforms, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you know you want to follow us, we're there. And Chaz, where can they follow you? Oh, you guys know where to follow me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson, on Instagram at Chaz P. What about yourself, Chris? Where can they? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camello. Uh, I'm also on Instagram C Camello One, Facebook Camello's Corner by Chris Camello. Thanks again, and also too, I can't believe I almost missed this. We got merch. You need any last minute Christmas gifts? Go see our guys, Audell and Javi. Audell, campbeatla.com. That's cbla.com. Check out all of Audell's goods. I think he's got a fresh order of shirts, right, Chaz? THT stuff? THT stuff coming out. Uh, he's got some new uh, Laker Dodger stuff that just dropped as well. Nice. My man's all, always got uh, some new heat, some new fire, some new Can't Beat LA logo hats that just came out as well. Make sure I got mine on the way. Get yours on the way. Uh, because championship number 18 is on the way. So yes, sir. Uh, I can't, can't wait to get it started, and uh, let's get it, man. Absolutely, and also check out our guy Javier, another esteemed member of the Showtime Forum team, GoldenKnightGFX.com. That's GoldenKnightGFX.com. He's got some good stuff on there. Thanks again, Laker Nation. We won't be talking to you until after Christmas, so have a happy, healthy, safe Christmas Uh, Whatever you're celebrating out there, be healthy, be safe. We're still in the middle of a pandemic, but enjoy the time with any or all of your loved ones. Just be safe doing it. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Peace. (laughs) 